0: Alright, Romans 8. Well, let us just read the whole thing to start out with. We haven't done that yet. Um, and as we talked about, we we're going to use Romans 8 as far as our launching point
1: for going into
0: different parts of Romans, and we'll see how that plays out more. You so want light? I want light. You got light? There'll be light. You're tight there underneath. With the yeah. Oh. That's
2: good. Are you okay?
0: All yes. right. Um, do we have any volunteers for someone who wants to read all of Romans 8? Who would like to read all of it? Oh, Steve! <laughs> <laughs> the voice! Steve, do you, wanna sure, you want to accept that challenge?
3: Shut up. No voice. The okay. voice or the mask? Which show is that?
0: <laughs> all right. Here we go.
3: Romans 8. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin by the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their mind set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God, because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through this his spirit who lives in you so then brothers and sisters we are not obliged to the flesh to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh you are going to die but if you but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but instead you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit, it himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and of children also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him Who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit, as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption. The redemption of our bodies. Now is the hope. We were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of god we know that all things yes we know that all things work together for the good of those who love god who are called according to his purpose for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters together. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Ah, sorry. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who even, (coughs) he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Who will not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who adjusts, who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
4: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Steve. Good breath. Very well, well done. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff. In how did
3: you feel reading that? I felt angst. I felt total <clears throat> angst. Uh, just what we're all probably experiencing. Thankful for God and thankful for the last two sentences. <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: right.
3: No, and all these things, we are more than conquerors. You are the conqueror, God. You are the conqueror, Christ. For we are persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or rulers, or things present, or things to come, nor despicable powers, powers under your feet, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from your love, dear Father, that is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you. I think we all weep. We just feel grief, maybe. That's what I feel.
0: I think you reading that just gave me a powerful sense of why this chapter is so important.
6: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, we talked about how we're starting in this, and I Mm -hmm. think we'll see how that plays out as we go along, but... This is one of the supposed, I mean, many people say this is one of the greatest chapters, not just in Romans, but the entire Bible. Hmm. And just hearing you read that,
3: I felt it. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah.
6: Yeah. Hey, Steve, can you, can you explain your grief? Can you explain a little bit?
3: You know, I, I think what I'm feeling a little bit is I w- I'm hmm. over at the hardware store. And we're across the street from this cafe. And oh, uh, I, I didn't know oh, anybody in there. Yeah. yeah, the gal, I guess she was a, a kind of manager there, a co-manager for four years. And I don't really know all that story other than that she's deceased. And from a heinous set of circumstances, that her life would be snuffed out of her. And she's she's in our little town here. Why, why is this happening? I, I walk through that area twice a day, maybe even three times a day. And as I walk, I, yeah, I, not all the time. But I, I am praying. Blood of Christ, have your way with this place. Have your way with us. And, um,
7: it's just, yeah. Yeah,
3: everything
6: really I say, I see somebody 27 years old, her life to, live, to, to end it. So, and she apparently, um, she fought back. There's some signs that she fought back. Uh, who wouldn't? she recently broke up with her boyfriend, so maybe he's a suspect. But I suspect. I mean, the other thing too, you let know, to tell you, my granddaughter works at Carmel as, as a host. Oh, she does. She knows. Her wow. Dad. She knows her. Pretty well. She's the assistant manager. Um, my granddaughter got a break so they gave her some food during her break and she didn't like anything they had to drink in there so she walked to the service station next door and on the way back there's a homeless guy i know you can't say homeless anymore so i'm not supposed to but he he followed us tapped her on the shoulder and says are you really a blonde and uh she ignored him and ran on to the thing he followed her into Carmelita's and searched the bar and they called police so he is a suspect and what's going on
5: now how to, old is it there? I
6: uh, don't know. I, I can get you. I, I can get you. Uh, apparently it's an older guy. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's, it's, it's depressing to understand the this perspective. respected.
0: So, in Romans 8, we're saying that Romans 8 connects I'm going to throw out it connects everything within Romans what is the first hint that we know if we just wrote Romans 8 by itself what's the first hint that Romans 8 is connected to the other parts of Romans
6: therefore <laughs> very good Jason <laughs> and
0: uh, here's a little um, Bible exegesis, which means how do you interpret the text, what do you do when you see a therefore?
8: Ask why is it
0: therefore. What? Ask why is it therefore. Excellent. Did you hear that? That's exactly what you do. Whenever you see a therefore, you always ask, what is it it therefore? All right. And so that is the same thing here with Romans, is... Romans 8 starts out by telling us that it itself is the conclusion of something that's come before, okay? Um, what is it there for? Why do we have Romans 8? What has been said before, okay? And I want to look at that today in part, um, and I want to do that by starting, so keep your, go and close your, um. Bibles and stuff right now because I just want you to take a look at this. This is a passage that comes right before therefore. <laughs> um, and I'm going to just start by looking at this part to give us an idea of why Romans 8 starts with therefore.
9: Ken's song was a great introduction to Romans 8.
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one <clears throat> of the things, now that you say that, I mean, one of the things, too, I hope with, that we're going to do with Romans, we saw this last week, we saw Paul talk about that Romans is about the gospel. And, you know, probably all of us can give a little short synopsis of what the gospel is. What I think is going to be fascinating with Romans is that we're going to be able to get—it's going to be like multi-course meal for us to be able to get a much fuller, much more in-depth understanding of what is the gospel, because that's really what Romans 8 is uncovering. Um, I mean, not Romans 8, but just Romans 8. But I mean, all of Romans is uncovering and saying what is this gospel that we're supposed to be—the good news—we're supposed to be telling the world. A lot of us can say that in real short maybe, but how? You know, hopefully as we go through Romans, we'll be able to explain that and know that to a level of depth we haven't before. Mm -hmm. So, I would like someone to read this. Um, Who wants to volunteer to read? Just this part right here. I'll read. All right. Why don't you go ahead and read it.
7: For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do. I do what I hate now if I do what I want to do I agree with the law that is good so now I am no longer the one doing it but it is the sin living in me for I know what or, for I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh for the desire to do what is good is good is with me there is no ability to do it for I do not, do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I want to do, what I want what I do not want to, I am no longer the one that does it. But it is the sin that lives in me, so I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present within me. For in my inner self I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death. I have this highlighted in my Bible, I actually, like, I'm not even kidding, because it was such a tongue twister, I was like, read it ten times, and I was like, what does this mean? you want to read
0: that fast now again? No, no, <laughs> <even laughs> But but I had like a
7: little sticky note. So why do you have it
0: highlighted in your Bible?
7: I, I gotta look
1: at it because I don't remember.
9: Well, maybe because I say this to myself every
1: day. Yeah, basically, <laughs> like maybe. ten times okay. a day. All right, it's right. so, okay. Maybe because
7: this is uh, a okay. Good I got yeah uh, I got that. You do it. And then <laughs> the note is: don't let the sin of your soul overcome the good in your heart. Show humility. Show grace. Show
0: integrity. Feel light. Huh. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, Jason, you you say this how many times a day?
9: Well, not this exact thing, but the, but these same <laughs> words, it could have been I could have written this, and okay. it's, yeah, it's like yeah, that's the quandary. This is the conversation that I have with God. Hmm. Okay, exactly this, and, oh, yeah. and I
1: was going to say you also could be having them for all kinds of reasons. You could be having them for going to the gym or exercising because you know that if you exercise, go to the gym, you eat good. But one day you just say, I don't want to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat that, and it's kind of like the way sin hits us because the flaw is not in the law;
0: the flaw is with us because we're sinners. Anybody else? I mean, so is this something? How many of you can relate to this? Is this something that speaks to you?
9: <laughs> I think what Jason said is. It's not wow. something that comes and goes. It's a daily battle. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's This <laughs> ongoing. It's just a realization <coughs> of so the nature. Yeah, this is just You're constantly pushing back against it. It's a, it's a non-stop incoming
6: wow. time. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. yeah, I look at it like, I mean,
0: I wake up, try to read my Bible daily, and like start the day off right, but within like, and, and you know, you want to dwell with the Lord, but within like, 10 minutes of that I'm on Instagram or some social media form, and just being inundated with, you know, kind of your worldly desires that you want to do.
6: Mm.
0: It's not even like, you know, like sinful stuff. It's just you're being inundated with the world. Okay. uh uh-huh. <clears throat> So does this sort of describe a little bit of that? Experience? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's what I got from it. Okay. All right.
9: So. There's kind of a facade, I think, that I kind of discovered that everybody's busy and so who told us we had to be busy (laughs) and so what happens is since everybody else is busy I must be missing out on something so I better get busy too to find out what I'm missing out on and what happens is you get surreptitiously sucked in to being just as busy as everybody else and in doing so you lose your life because you're so busy the things that really matter you don't have time for anymore. And then, you, and then you die. <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> and, and, and more than one more. That's
2: right. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, my struggle, like these guys are saying, mm-hmm. and like Paul is saying, but there's a scripture that contrasts with us, that mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. take heart in, mm-hmm. but struggle with, and that's from First John 3, 8 and 9 i read him. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And here's the zinger. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Do you get the contrast? <coughs> Paul's like, oh. I, say, I just feel like, oh, I'm so struggling. And I'm, he's acting, I think, really immature as a Christian compared to what John is saying we should be. Once we're in Christ, we should not sin. He's, we he's, do not sin. We cannot sin. He's making
9: the point, he's, he's <clears throat> like, why? What's the therefore for? Right? He he has to demonstrate what sin is and articulate that in a way that that is undeniably every single human being in the condition of the flesh and the condition of sin and the condition of the world that we live in, and and the role that it plays. I don't care who you are. If you think of something wonderful, as soon as you think of God's word, evil's there. It will, the, the, the most attack I get is when I am thinking of God, when I want to think of God. I have to just have my mind so in Christ all day long and just be just non-stop. Like my faucet is on, full blast, otherwise it's going right up the faucet the other way instantly. So you're saying
2: unlike John He's
6: not, it's not unlike
2: you're, you're finished, unlike John saying you you feel you're a Christian, you're a believer but you struggle with sin all the time. Meaning you sometimes sin or often sin right? Is that what you're saying? Meaning that what John Paul, is saying that shouldn't be
9: happening Meaning what Paul is saying here is simply the state of reality okay that we all struggle that this is the nature of the the flesh and what we deal with right he's not saying that you should just be a sinner he's saying this is this is so we all are on the same page here this is something we all this is you can't get around this Mm -hmm. so it's not a judgment it's not even a, a, an assessment of behavior. It simply is stating the facts. This is reality. He's just laying the groundwork, right? So there's no, I'm better than you, or if if you sin, you clearly aren't born of God. It's not. That's he's getting more intellectual with this. How about anybody else? What? If-
6: Maybe maybe I'm a little naive and maybe I just don't understand the true definition of what sin is and what sin isn't. I listen to what Eric said. If I get too busy doing things, I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. Is that a sin? I not think so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that would be a sin. I don't struggle every day. I you know, you know, believe I'm on the right. I have. Maybe I just don't know what sin really
1: is maybe, um, maybe. Are you down, I'm sorry. i kind of look at it more like if you're in a relationship with jesus that it doesn't become the law anymore it's not like you're saying um you're not skilled. but say say maybe um i don't know maybe it, it kind of confines the, the sin becomes bigger now. It becomes like an idea of like I took some extra money from my wife's purse or something. I'm just making this up. Okay, so the sin now is just not to do not steal, not to go into a store and take money. But now the sin's gotten bigger because now you have committed yourself to Jesus Christ, and so I think. I've always felt this. I've always felt like it's always your relationship with Jesus Christ. But I feel like we're all born with sin through Genesis. And now Paul is just letting us know now that we're we're all sinners. And it's just not like... We're not doing something. Not for for thinking
6: it. But your example doesn't help me. Because I'm not going to go steal mine.
1: I no, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying know. I'm not stealing money. I'm trying to get
6: reality. You're talking about reality. What is, what is sin it can, real sin? What's to me, sin yeah. can it's be a sin. lot
1: of,
4: This is a good question. I'm not to, Yeah. Uh-huh. Sin could be a lot of different things.
6: Well, that's, um, that's what I'm looking for.
4: What is it? All right. Mm-hmm. Last night, my wife and I got some bad news, and I was a little upset about it, and it's our living arrangement, or our condo. And I was worked up about it most of the day. And my wife wanted me to move something out of the house. She's been telling me to do it for a long time. It was a big, overgrown plant. And I really didn't feel like moving it out at 7.30 at night. So I really raised my voice. I mean, to the point that she had to tell me, Stop yelling at me. And I said, I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> I
0: you yell
4: didn't that? Her. So we're going no, to Mr. have ahead had those conversations so, really but, but you know I was being completely disrespectful to my wife. And that's a sin. I mean so that's that's one example. You know, another example would be, you know. Leaving here tonight, how many people are you going to cut? How many people are going to cut you off? How many people are going to blow a stop sign? How many people are going to try and pull in a parking spot? You know, and and do all the wrong things that are going to get you aggravated, and how you react to that person doing what you feel they shouldn't be doing or what the law says they shouldn't be doing. Are you going to sin, or are you not going to sin? Are you going to cuss in the car or are you going to flip them a bird? What are you going to do with that? So there's where the daily struggle is, at least for me, because I do a lot of driving. So that's my daily struggle is that how am I going to react to somebody that's being stupid, you know, on the road? So those are the kind of, those are the little things. The other thing is, is that you're driving on a street you're on coast highway and you know what how many times do we see a butt see what how many times do we <laughs> see a butt cuz they got the but phone, they got the and, phone bikini oh, okay, on you, oh, and okay, you, you see but a rear butt end. there, there like beat yeah not a cigarette <laughs> <part>. <laughs> <laughs> You see a butt you know but-
7: but my I had a pastor
4: cheeks. The men's pastor. Yeah, set of cheeks. So I had a men's pastor uh, in at Saddleback. And he taught me something that was really cool. Sitting in a stop sign or stoplight, and you see a pretty girl on a corner of your eye. He said, You need to learn to bounce your eyes. So in other words. Don't watch the girl across the street because halfway through the through the crosswalk, you're pretty far down the path of where you're going with that girl if she's walking across the street. So I started doing that. I, I you know, you can't help but see a pretty girl, but you see a pretty girl, I see someone's butt, my wife's sitting next to me, or not sitting next to me, I see a butt, I bounce my eyes, look the other way. You know what my wife told me when we first started dating? She goes. You know what? You got weird eyes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. She said, eyes. I feel safe with you, mm. man. Yeah. I mean, thank you, Kenny Luck, for telling me to bounce my eyes when I see a pretty girl mm. walking down the street or walking across the That's street. Like so
6: yeah, but that, but, but
4: is it a sin to see a pretty girl? Not at all. What you do with that image? can take you down a path of sin very, very quickly. So that's, those are my struggles that... I have a saying end. that saves
9: me. If it looks that good, it's somebody else's problem. <laughs> 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 so
0: that's Tom oh, the sure. The other time. Yeah. Tom. Um, <laughs> it
8: says that Paul's just describing the state of the situation, which is called sin. Now we can describe sin a hundred ways. The Bible tells us about various ways of sin that are not getting into heaven. Blah, blah, blah. But what is sin? It's just falling short of the goal. I don't want to overblow out the sin, even though it's like a real thing. It's you know Jesus died for it. But as I just as he's describing this, I'm falling short of the goal. If he defines sin as it is in the Greek and stuff. But then he he's setting it up because he's saying, "Well, what's going to deliver for me from all the things I just said?" And then he's going to go into, "Well, therefore, he's going to tell you." And I'm sure we'll get into it. What is going to deliver me from what I just described about my, mm-hmm. the state of the state of the world, the state of my own? I'm giving me as an example. Mm-hmm. Because of the things I've done in my past and who I was, what I continue to do. <clears throat> but then I also see him setting it up. Sure. Where he's giving this just.
9: Who will rescue me from this body right.
8: of death? Yeah. And then he'll, yeah. Then eight will kind of usher us into that uh-huh. in, in the beginning. Uh-huh. That's what I'm seeing.
0: How about anybody else as far as the saying? Yeah. I, if that, it's interesting because, um, before you talk, I'm going to talk about you um <laughs> so rod it was funny because on sunday um he asked me after the service so he was here later um on sunday and he asked me after he was in the courtyard and he asked me after the service he says hey great you have do you have one of these so i gave him one and then i don't know what it was 30 45 minutes later or whatever everybody's gone and rod's out here in the courtyard and he's got his. have it? So he's got this open, oh, and I uh, see the other one already. That's a new one. Oh, was that a new one? Do <laughs> I still have it? Um, no, no it's, it's with Charlie. It's in his truck.
5: Come yeah. On.
0: Well, yeah. so so it's interesting. Well, in fact, this is a new one. But so yeah, that was a new he one. He had this opened up to the passage we're looking at. I have written in the okay. Audience. Yeah, and you um, can just sort of see what he was doing there, okay, just like wrestling with it, <laughs> going through it and everything, um, which started a conversation between him and I. But um, yeah. anyway, so go ahead. It's uh, one of my
5: favorite uh, um, parts of the Bible, for sure, because I see myself as a wretched guy, and uh, even though I'm saved by grace, I feel like I've I've been born into sin. This world is sinful, and I've, I've been born in it for my mother's womb. And uh, until the Lord straightens it out, we're, in a sense, living in sin, around sin, and with sin. And people are full of sin. And, uh, well, I just pray that God will put a hedge of protection around you as you go back there. I have to go back and go in that room tonight with this guy um, I was if I there, come and help him and kick his ass, and I said, hey, Jason introduced me to a, a, a police officer here, and I called him and we had a chat and went over this thing, and he's a believer. Yeah. You know, and, and I have that on my side right now, mm-hmm. in the sense that he's aware of this guy. He's a known guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't get into the details of his lifestyle, but he just is a, uh, I think you possibly half-possessed, are-possessed.
0: But, I mean, you're in a situation where you're having to make that decision. You just asked the question David. what what is sin? Yeah, I mean, you're account. in that situation where you're making that decision real-time. Yeah. Um, you know, which, uh, yeah. one of the
5: reasons why I'm still walking around with a cane is for my protection in the <laughs> area where I live, because right. there's a whole subculture of people that some of them have been kicked out of there and they didn't like me. And they'll see me around and they'll come up and start, you know, they're intoxicated on something, you know, they want to fight or, hey Rod, you know, boom, you know, they give you the, you know what. I had one guy try to put his fist through the window. I was sitting at Jack in the Box. (laughs) And uh, the guy was on that and tried to put his fist right through the window, and the whole window shook. And this was a known guy from that shelter. Who was kicked out. It, he's blaming me for him being kicked out because I did a grievance on him. You know, and this guy's his buddy. You know, and he's going around telling all these other people trying to get people on his side. You know, yeah. to come against me. Is, it, it's like you're in a high school, or something. <laughs> no, a...
8: That's good. So, Tom, you were yeah. going to say it, it just brought to my memory. You know, when I first <coughs> read that long time ago, Romans seven, the um, end Romans seven, is I felt. Um, uh, I don't know if everybody's felt like this, but I felt like I was understood <coughs> in a way. Like, mm. oh, there's someone because I would read at First John and go. Oh, you know and then realized that uh, there was some reprieve some something within me that thought okay I could, somebody else is struggling along understands the struggle yeah and so i remember that I just wanted to have that so.
9: right. the the um, to me the contrast to that is when jesus speaks of being victorious and um, finishing victorious, so we know that we will be victorious. But we have to be victorious. It's not simply done, right? So, being clear with what we are, and this battle that is before us is i think what is so critical with this that paul is trying to get across not that it's it's hopeless that it's absolutely hopeful but coming out of something deep and hopeless Mm
10: -hmm. yeah right um do you have your your bible open to you have king james right curious to know i when i was reading this today Eight um, three kind of jumped out at me. It says, "For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh." Almost seems like that sh- that word should be would. It's like, like there was a chance that the humans could figure it out. We'll
0: we'll we'll look at that definitely as we right. So get to it. Yeah. so yeah. kind of talking but about in,
10: all the other uh-huh. sort of other stuff. It's like we know that this is a letter to you know Paul's trying to get the church going and so forth. It's mm-hmm. People don't think they sin if they don't know God. You can do anything. You, you, you don't have these checks and balances every day if you don't have a clue what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's not, to me, it's just like it's kind of laying the groundwork for people to be in thought. And, and, and in that, it's not micromanaging yourself out of sin. You're, you're going to eventually, I guess there's like... a like muscle memory, there's a sin memory where you just, you're hopefully, again, being afflicted to per- perfection. But this is kind of setting the groundwork to let people know you're sinning and to be cognizant of it. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's...
0: Yeah, that's good. That okay. I, that's yeah, Afflicted yeah.
10: to perfection. Um,
0: and go ahead, Tom, if to you that. want to read that. <clears throat> do, do you have... Do, do you, you want to is 8-3? What is 8-3? I just A3. want to know
10: if the yeah, what the word good. could is... If, is What's the the word could is there.
2: Yeah, for what the law could not do. Yeah, so it is.
10: It never had a chance.
2: Why is that
0: word could? It's what the would not do. So you hold that, hold Uh that because we are going to be, we're going to be talking about that. Also, David, Uh hold on the sense of that question you're asking. So two, two great questions right now. Mm -hmm. What is that (laughs) law? What is sin? so, those are really good questions we're going to be delving into because Paul is addressing that here. Um, I think also, so, Tom, so this is a good example of like this tension we're talking about. Mm-hmm. As we're reading it, you feel that tension. So, Tom read in 1 John from 1 John 3. Okay. What's interesting is John has that tension because in 1 John 2, it says, my little children, so here he's going to tell you, remember John told us the whole purpose of why he was writing the gospel, right? So everyone would believe. Here he's telling the people who he's writing first John to, why am I writing this? He says, My little my children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. His whole purpose in writing first John was so we do not sin. The next word is not the word for the girls you're talking about, but the next word is "but." All right, one T. All right, (laughs) but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So you can see in John, you have that tension. Don't sin. But if you do sin, this is what you do. So you just see, even here, you see this war that's going on um, with it. So I want you to open up now to, to your little book that's here. And I want to look at the passage before this passage we just read. So maybe sort of start answering some of the questions you guys are ask, um, asking. So turn to page, it doesn't pages, twenty six. And I want to start, so we, this thing I handed out, started at 7.15. So I want to read what happens before we get to 7.15, all right? So, and I want you to be thinking about this little, this, what everyone was so familiar with. I think everyone, is there anybody, probably no one in this room, everyone has heard this passage before, in one way or the other, all right? I want us to be thinking about what, what is this passage, what is Paul describing here? Okay, that's sort of the question I want us to think about. What is Paul describing here? A lot of you just expressed for yourself what he's describing. So take a look at 7-7. And in fact, I'm just going to read this and we'll just start looking at it. So this is what Paul says. Paul says. So it says, sins use of the law. He says, What should, so this is page 26, what should we say then, is the law sin? There you go, you just put both those together. What's the law? What's sin? All right, is the law sin? And Paul answers, absolutely not. But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet, if the law had not said, do not covet. And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life again, and I died. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, just, and good. Therefore, did what is good become death to me? So he asks a question again. Did what is good become death to me, which is the law? He says again, absolutely not. But sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandments sin might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. And then it launches into this whole passage you guys just read. So, one question I have for you is, is awesome. Do you see some when you ask the question, What is sin? There's sort of two ways of answering. Well, one way of answering that question is I think when David asked, How did you answer? How do you what was the question you asked, David? What is sin? What is sin? What is sin? All right, and I noticed that what's interesting is that when we answer okay. that question. We went to examples of sins that we can commit. You gave a really good example Glenn, of that. So those are sins that we commit, but mm-hmm. notice that Paul is not using the plural here. You guys notice that? Mm-hmm. He's not using the plural. He's not talking about specifically individual sins that I can commit or not. He's talking about sin in a different way. Anybody have a thought as to? Hold on for a second. Anybody have any thoughts as to what is sin in this passage? He's talking about the sin that that we already have. Our, our the, the, about the sin
1: that we we're already born with.
0: Okay, so original sin. Original sin. All right. Anybody else? So what is sin? How he talks about it. Notice how he uses the phrase. He says, you know, what should we say? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. I would not have known sin if it went for the law. Listen to verse 8. And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment. Verse 11. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment. Mm-hmm. But sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me. See, what? how is Paul talking about sin here?
6: terms of the commandment. Yeah,
0: yeah. and what, what, what do you get a sense of as to what sin is? Tom? Do you well, know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
9: He's talking about our conduct. And I, I always kind of defer to the part that says, what is required of us? To do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And when you think <coughs> about that, to do justly, that's the ethical part of our walk. To love mercy allows us to join our fellow man through empathy for their struggle is the same struggle as we have. And the only way we can do that is to put God on the throne and take ourselves off and walk humbly with Him. Because he,
8: he's, he gives
9: us the power to be able to do the other two things.
8: Great. Right. Would it uh-huh. be the difference between, is it more of the, the idea of sin and death? Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Exactly. Yes. Which is? What?
8: Well, to be alive in Christ and to be deaf is to. Right. Okay. the death of me. Well, yeah, but you always ask these questions. <laughs> 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 it's probably easier than I'm thinking, but yeah, that's what I'm gathering. Uh, right. Well,
10: it's just. Or the law
5: the, the, well, of sin.
10: Okay. All but right. The okay. law, and when I hear law and commandments it's an extrapolation to the old, you know, the old covenant. Uh-huh. And this is right. this is bridging the gap to the new covenant. So it's basically talking about having belief in Christ as the Lamb of God uh, to be the one that, that that is going to ultimately forgive all of our sins. So be worthy. That you know, you know, be righteous and, and but the I think the biggest belief belief is, is that we have to believe in this guy Jesus Christ. Right, right. Which is a new thing mm-hmm. in this time period right here. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of I don't know, that's what it sounds like to me when you, when I hear commandment, that's old testament stuff. It it is. It is. Somewhat so going is, from a legalistic to uh-huh. more of, again, you know, kind of the
4: Martin Luther thing. But without the law the commandments, correct. We would not know sin. Yes. Uh huh. So the commandments help us recognize what sin is. But
9: uh
4: huh. Simply so, put. It, it,
9: additionally, what he's what he's saying. It's not
4: right. good enough anymore, though.
0: You have to believe in Christ. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and we're going to get to yeah, that. Exactly. right So before yeah, this, just in this in this passage, in what this is he th- talking about with sin?
9: What he's talking, he's, he's saying that not only. <laughs> Do they expose you to sin? But the reality is that they have, by design, they convicted all of us. Who's they? uh,
0: You're saying, like, they.
9: The commandments. God used the commandments as a conviction.
0: They is
9: the law. So, (coughs) sin sprang to life, Mm -hmm. and I died. Mm -hmm. Because the, the commandments were not intended to save any of us.
0: Jesus. Are we getting to salvation? Well, we're going to be getting to salvation, but so I want you to notice, so this isn't, this, this is key when we get to even salvation. How Paul is talking about sin here is as something that has its own power. Mm. It is a thing that has power over our lives. It is not about us, it can cause us to sin, but here sin is actually a power, it's almost like you think of Satan. Satan is a power that seeks to do evil. Sin is a power that seeks to get us to sin, okay? So... There is an idea. There, this is important too, because if you think about this whole passage we just read. Okay, what's the problem? Why can't we get out of it?
6: It's unavoidable.
0: Well, it's unavoidable. But what's what the influence is? Is this is a power that's independent of us? It's a power that is in us. And notice it is something that is seizing opportunity. Listen to how it's got its own being almost. I don't want to say being. It does, but it doesn't. But it's God's own power over us, which we cannot do anything about on our own. It is seeking to what? What is sin seeking Destroy. to do? To us? Kill, you kill us. us.
3: <laughs>
0: the purpose of sin is death. Okay, It is to kill us. And so Paul is talking here about this war that is going on between sin... And what does he say? So sin, is sin good? Easy no. answer. No. No. Okay. Is death good? No. No. Is the law good? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is good. It's good it is good. It is good It's not the here. law's fault. <laughs> yeah. Is the law good? Yes. Yes. Paul answers that. He says yes. Yes. The law
3: is just the law.
0: Right. But what does the, what, what hap what, what happens with the law? What, Christ, what and Christ, what is a law? Just so you guys know, here, Paul, when he says the word law, <laughs> almost every place here in seven, he is referring to the Old Testament law. He is referring to the law given by Moses. Okay, and everything in basically Torah is what the word is. Torah. He's referring to the laws, but he's also referring to the first five books of the Bible. It is the core of the Jewish faith is this is the law that was given. Okay.
9: What, uh-huh. what, speaking of the law here, in, in this passage that you gave us, he's referring, we're talking about sin as a power, right? Yeah. He says, this, mm-hmm. to the law of sin, sin and in the parts of my body. Yeah. So sin itself has its own set of laws.
0: It Well... There's so much laws, but he's using it that in that in that phrase exactly. That the, that the sin itself has its I guess you could say law. No, so we, the
9: death. we, yeah, they are right. are,
8: Yeah. Exactly. Just, it's, it's, it's but he's contrasting it between the law of the spirit of Christ and the law of sin and death. Where are you seeing that? And one.
0: Yeah, no, we're
9: not there yet. There yet. <laughs> yeah. For me, my inner self, I delight
0: in God's law. Of course. We'll get there. So he speaks of God's law. Well, speaks, you're talking about this power. I know, I know. Yeah. He said,
9: he's still speaking of the, the commandments yeah. of the Torah law. Okay. So I do agree with the law that it is good. Right. Self, so I delight in God's law. Mm-hmm.
0: So he is to speaking of, but yes it's so if the law is good why do we not why does are we still people under the law yes. do we still follow the law yeah yes do, do, we, we, do? we do yeah we're Those under grace that's right yeah. we are so not under sure. the law anymore the law has been fulfilled yes exactly yes. we are not under this law that Paul's talking about anymore we are under grace, yes. okay. Yeah, which we're gonna get you. So, Jordan, you were. I don't know. My I'm just like, <laughs> uh-huh. it's just
7: like a bouncy ball just bouncing everywhere. Cause you got like I get what you're saying, and then I was reading, like the end uh-huh. of seven seven. It's like I have not known what it is to covet if the law had said not to covet. and, it said, yeah. and sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment. So I'm just like, I don't know. It's a double whammy. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean,
0: <laughs> so why? It's like I turn the page and it just. Why like does the totally law not? Down. Why can't the law not save us?
8: Hmm.
0: The well, law is good because it, it's not living. The law is good. Okay. That's okay. Like, that's Because isn't like it? Like
7: Christ is living within us, and hmm. that's what's going on. But the law okay. is
0: just the law. Okay. Right? All right.
7: Is well, that the deal? Because we're born so, sin?
0: So well, that's a good. Or that's really. a good question. So. What is? In Greg, can sense. I ask you yeah. a real simple question? Mm-hmm. Sure.
2: I promise you'll answer this honestly. Sure. Do you understand this?
0: I do. To the best I can. Yeah, everyone struggles with this, but it's but this is. I will I mean, say I, right I now. I put you on a big pedestal yeah, so if you can so understand wrong. this. I can. Um, well, and that's why we're talking about it because what we're going to see is what we're talking about right here is so key to understanding. Mm-hmm. Christian life, and what Christ has done for us. Okay? So, that's why we're struggling. And believe me, the fact that you answered that question is really good, because this is something people have struggled with for 2,000 years, is these passages we're in right now. So to think that I know it all? Absolutely not. It's a struggle everybody has struggled with. But there's some stuff that is clear here that I think is really good. because It
5: seems like, seems like there's a lot of Christian people to me. That tried to follow the law, keep the law, mm. and obey the law. And, and I and don't know any Christian that hasn't broken them. <laughs> yeah, I haven't met one yet.
0: And are we as Christians? But they appear to be. To... Yeah.
5: You know, quote, I got my act together.
0: So why you know, why that does that not work? work? Why does it not work because for us of to our, follow the our law? Our
5: sinful nature.
0: Okay. Very good. The reason why following the law does not work is because of sin. sin. (laughs) So the law was good, but what does Paul say he's slave to? Sin. Sin, sin. exactly. Notice how he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, so it's good, but I am of the flesh... Sold as a slave under sin. Yeah, I, I see the law as good. but Doesn't he think he's I, I been just redeemed? Not, I'm
2: he's
5: just not sold not as a slave under sin. It's so contrary <laughs> to being redeemed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the dichotomy.
0: What does so, dichotomy mean? He's writing a letter. All right, so hold on. It's zooming both. Hold, yeah. hold on for a second. Hold on. Stop. He just asked yeah. an extremely important question. Right. How's that again? You think you don't understand this, but you, I think you do more than you think. Ask, ask well, the, the passage is what that
2: he's a slave to sin. Yes, and I'm saying he's not a slave to sin. He's been redeemed. God redeemed him from the slave market of sin. Yeah, he paid the price. Yeah. He died. He bought him out of slavery. That happens so too. So he's he's speaking he's speaking contrary to
0: that here.
8: Okay, so do so
0: you guys hear what Tom just said? So I want you to look at this right now. Look at what Tom's referring to. Seven fourteen. Okay. Because you are now nailing exactly what the issue is. Whether you, you realize it or not. I do. So you are saying we have a problem, which we do have a problem. Because what's the problem, Tom? It says, for we know in verse 14 that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold as a slave under sin. That's Paul talking. Tom just said, what? <laughs> because that's not Paul. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Paul has been redeemed. Paul has been redeemed. He's, been redeemed. Mm-hmm. He's no longer a psychic. So my answer to all of you guys is, Whoa. what is this Whoa. that you read? It's kind of What is this a description of? It's Paul's bio. I think it's
3: God's grace. Hold it's on. His...
0: So you think it's Paul's bio? <laughs> yeah. Is it Paul's bio right now? It's, it's his it's carnality. Ten. I think it's, it's private. It's, it's, it's the
3: flesh. It's car, the carnal man. Okay. And which is not that, the spirit.
0: Okay. So Tom just said, oh, interesting. It's present tense. So does that mean this is Paul now? When he's right writing now? it?
8: Okay. I thought he was describing his previous life.
0: Okay. Anybody else? Do you guys see the conflict here? Yeah, okay. there's tons of, of My question is, yeah, my run. question is, you see what he's writing here? It sounds like this is something now present tense. Sure. It's his continuing okay. struggle. Yeah. So it sounds like something that right. So I want you to hear what Eric just said. It's his continuing struggle. There's a problem. Because in everything we just read here, something is missing. Well, you, conclu- you, haven't, you, don't you don't have a conclusion yet. You don't have a conclusion yet. And what's the conclusion? Christ. Right.
3: The laws fulfilled. Right. Christ did it.
0: So is this a description of Paul in his present state in Christ? Or is this a description before Paul? New Christ.
4: Both.
0: You can't have both. Let me tell you why you can't have both. Because you can't both be, I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin, at the same time, Paul says that he is no longer a slave to sin. He is a (laughs) slave to Christ. You cannot be a slave to two Mm. things. Do you see yet our problem because we describe this as something that is going on in us right now that this is something that speaks to the reality of who we are right now that is not what Paul is describing this is not a description of Paul's bio this is not a description. It is in part in the sense that this is what Paul experienced as a Jew before Christ. Okay? This is Paul describing this is what a Jew experiences without Christ. How do we know that? Because mm-hmm. if you take it uh, for many reasons, but I'll, t- I'll show you one. First, Notice how I started in 7.7. What you have in 7, what we just have read, I want you to look at verse 5. Verse 5 and 7-5 says, For when we were in the flesh, when we were, <laughs> were is what? Past, Past tense. tense. When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. That is the description Of someone who is under the law, a slave to sin, someone who does not know Christ. Verse 6 says, But now, (laughs) when? Now, we have been released from the law since we have died to what held us, so that we may serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the old letter of the law. So how did how did people before this get to heaven? Uh, through the same way that people get to heaven today. No faith and Christ. Faith. No but through faith with Christ. This is pre Christ. It is. But Abraham, what what what? Why was Abraham um, huh. righteous? He was righteous through faith. Faith is always what brings people into a relationship, eternal relationship with God before Christ. He was still faith in Yahweh. It gets into a whole different thing. But just ultimately it prefigures Christ. Alright. But I want to continue with this so we don't okay. get off into something else. I want to point out that in verse five, verse five is what Paul is describing from seven seven through seven <clears> twenty-four. <throat> What happens starting in verse 25 and all the way through chapter 8 is what Paul is going to describe in verse 6 of chapter 7. Okay, everyone following me? Mm -hmm. We know that for many reasons, but one reason we know that in part is notice how something was mentioned over and over and over again when we read chapter 8. Something was mentioned over and over and over and over and over and (coughs) over again that is never mentioned once in 7-7 through 724. What is that?
3: Flesh. No. Who will rescue me?
0: Christ. No. No. The spirit. 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 Oh. Very good. Okay. The spirit is what is missing. All right. So this is a this what we're experiencing right now is something that the church. And my, I'm going to now. I'm not making this statement myself. Like I have some authority with this, I don't. The we've had a problem in the Christian church because from the very beginning of the early Christian church in 180 when this was all written, all the way up through Augustine in 500 AD. Every single person, every single commentary, every, everything Christian at that point knew that seven through 7.24 was not describing life in Christ. It was describing life as a Jew under the law. Mm-hmm. Then Augustine came around, and Augustine was a man obsessed. He did not take your advice, by the way. Go ahead. He was, had huge spiritual struggles. Spiritual, sorry, huge sexual struggles. And Augustine, <laughs> through his own sin, ended up having this argument with Pelagius. Anyway, not to get too much detail. That's when it first arose that Augustine read this and thought, oh, that sounds like me. The passage we read that I printed out. Oh, that sounds like me. And started this little thing that thinking like this is describing the actual Christian life after Christ. And it never was meant by Paul to do that. The church never interpreted that way. But the problem is, in the Reformation, even Luther sort of took it that way. And so we've had a teaching as Christians that somehow Seven, the passage we read, is describing the life we still have as a Christian. And a lot of you read that going, that's the life I experienced this. Okay? But I'm going to tell you right now, that is not the life you are to be living right now. That is not the life you are in under Christ. That is not the light, that is not the struggles we should be having right now. But we've been so conditioned to think that is what the Christian life is like with the struggle that is described here. This is not what Paul is describing. Paul is not describing the Christian life. He is, he, going he could to have made describe, it awfully clear if he wrote that section in the past tense. Yeah, it would, it, it exactly. <laughs> but when you, what you do is you find out the reason why Paul did that is because Paul is, what's called, it's called historical eye. Paul is creating, he is personifying it so that, it, so the Israelites and the people, the Jews reading this, he can personify this because he was a Jew on one point. But you'll notice how he very explicitly states beforehand, this is not who I am under Christ. This is who I am under the law. That's what he's saying in verse 5. But in verse 6 he says, now, after I describe that, now I'm going to go in and tell you what is life under Christ. So, I'm going to throw out to you guys, we've, we've taken this whole thing and we think this is the struggle and this is how we live the Christian life is by being in this struggle we just talked about. And what I'm going to just throw out to you, this is so great about Romans 8, is we're going to find out this is not it. This is not how we should live. This is not the description of our Christian life now. And most people don't really realize Romans 8 is going to tell us this is how we are to live. In fact, it starts out with that very thing. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. What Paul is describing in chapter 7 is how we are condemned by the law because of the sin that is in us and the flesh. And we're going to find out in chapter 8. We can take this literally, and I'm going to say, well literally, I'm going to say, You can take this saying, and my hope is that all of us are gonna go like this. And say, this is not the Christian life that we should be under anymore.
9: That's powerful, Greg. Okay? Rip it up.
0: And I'm gonna, I will invite you guys, if you want to, rip it up. And I would say, take it, put it in an envelope, and say, this is who I once was. Okay? Seriously. Mm -hmm. Because we're going to find out as we go through eight here. Have an envelope. You can choose whether you want to rip it up or not. Alright. <laughs> put it in the envelope and you guys can keep it in your house and you can say, you know what, there's something more. <laughs> for a Christian life in the struggle. And that, I forgot where I put And that is why we're going to start, and that's why we're starting in chapter eight of Romans. We're going to get to find that out right away. Mm-hmm. We're starting victorious. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it in the
7: right place. Versus this. Oh, Under. Under. Mm. Oh. Live in victory. Just yeah, right
9: that out. Eric. I'm going to relate one of the things I memorized that kind of makes the point. You made the point earlier that sin has power. Mm-hmm. So it goes like this. It is difficult to resist evil because choosing the right path often calls for personal sacrifices we're unwilling to make. Nevertheless, always choose the right path. So the question is what is it inside of me that I'm holding on to that I'm unwilling to let go because it serves me somehow? And the answer to that is, is the fact that that has power over me. I don't have power over it. It's controlling me. So there's an introspective search that when I try and walk the Christian life, is there anything that's holding me back from the full path that I'm unwilling to give up that's serving me in some very negative way? That I'm just, I'm willing, I'll give everything else up, but I'm going to hold on to that one thing. And so, that's the one thing that you give power to the sin. And that's the struggle.
0: Great. And I guess I'm going to say, what we're going to find out is you don't need to do that anymore. Okay? We, as Christians, have been given something that we do not need to do that anymore. The Holy Spirit. So, That's Greg,
8: exactly right. And mm. Greg, yes. what's interesting is that I'm listening to your voice while you're reading <laughs> the end of eight thirty-one. Oh, the believers triumph. Uh huh. Because it sounds like he's shouting. It is in my brain. Shouting to chapter seven. Yes, mm. amen. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah. Yes, it yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> totally, <Yeah>. makes <laughs> not, yeah. totally makes sense. Because I'm not. Totally makes sense. Anybody else have any thoughts? Oh, that's good. You're going to have to. We're, we're going to see this next week as we start unfolding. We're going to start looking at what Romans eight says at the very beginning, which is going to tell us why we are no longer in seven anymore. Mm-hmm. Done It's mm-hmm. gone. It doesn't even have. It should not even have an influence over us anymore. All right, but it doesn't. Christ, it doesn't. It
10: doesn't mean you. <laughs>
0: I'm not. I don't say. A, a, I'm not saying you don't struggle. Okay? No, I'm, I'm, but you're going to see what the struggle is. It's but that's different. not
10: an excuse to have. You know, there's there's still accountability to yeah. keeping. You, you can't just right. all of a sudden think that right. you're saved. This is you.
0: not saying we're not. We don't struggle with sin. This is saying what do we do with that? Okay, and how we. So here's okay. the problem: is we mostly have tried to live. Like we're in a relationship with God, that we're still under the law. That is how we all naturally, as Christians, I to say naturally, quote, That's the problem: is we naturally still live like this because we think that's how life still is. And what Paul's been describing in eight is there's a life you don't, that maybe a lot of us don't know about, where it's a very different life than what we see in seven. We don't have to keep score anymore of our own. We don't have to keep, we are not under a law anymore. We are not under the law. We are not here trying to please God anymore and trying to figure out the things we're supposed to do and the things we're not supposed to do. Are you talking about legalism? Well, that's part of it. That's what leads to a little bit. But it's not so much legalism as we tend to want to live by laws. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we are tempted to still relate with God and with others around law. And, and Paul says... Or how good are you? That is right. Or here's a certain things I have to do. I, You know, I'm a Christian if I do this, but I'm not a Christian if I do that. Or whatever things we pull in, we pile on. We try to create all these little laws that tell us whether we're good or not, whether we're measuring it or not, whether we're you know, living this way or not. And we have all these little laws and measurements that decide that. And Paul says... Rip that up. Exactly. This is not the life that you've been given mm-hmm. at Christ. You've been set free, free <laughs> you know, to I live can... no longer under the law, but to live as slaves of Christ in the, and by the, Spirit. I, you know,
5: I, I, it seems like I've been around, the length of time I've been around the church when I was a teenager to now, um, I see like a group of legalistic people, mm-hmm. and I see a group of grace-driven people. You know, and I, I, have got to the point where I consider myself grace-driven, and grace is what keeps me going as a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, the legalistic thing does not work for me. I am a <laughs> wretched, I am a wretched
0: man. <laughs> <Yeah>. Isn't that what <laughs> James talks man. about?
9: The works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, by J- what James means by works is not what we think. It's not the, James is not contradicting Paul at all. What James means by works is not is not law. It is not following the law. Okay, that's not what James mean by, uh,
9: means are by works. Those things that we create for ourselves.
0: No, works in James is something that comes out of faith, being living in the spirit, okay. where we are doing good work for others. I okay, see. and that our life should manifest that that and experiment and show that. So, anyway, I've sort of laid a lot on you guys tonight. <laughs> Go early, but I, what I want you to do is think now this week, read seven again, and then read eight. Okay, and many look times the, look at the contrast <laughs> between what they're going on and see how you can see that what Paul's doing is saying he he makes jump. There is now, there is now, no condemnation. For those in Christ Jesus. And just go home with this thought.
6: Condemnation.
0: Yeah, condemnation. Is something that we were supposed to have had. In the judgment seat when Christ comes again. That's when we were going to be condemned. Okay. Condemnation. Condemnation was a future thing. We because of Christ. Live in a freedom. where we know for sure. In Christ we are no longer under condemnation. We're getting a gift in the future now. We do not have to live under condemnation because we now live in Christ in the Spirit. (laughs) Mm. And we're going to see Paul just show us all that in Romans 8. That's what's so beautiful about Romans 8. It It is a new life in Christ. It is a new creation that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. So anyway, David, you so
6: you're okay. So, uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I never thought I was a troll boss so asked the question at the beginning. So from my from perspective, we've, we've given this this gift. Uh huh. Okay, we still have to be aware of what sin is. Oh, absolutely. Because that gift is you have to ask for forgiveness. And if you're mm-hmm. in Christ, you're forgiven. If you're not in Christ, and you're trying to live by the law, you don't get forgiven. Those people. Mm-hmm. Those Predestined people that will never be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking for a synopsis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're going to get that synopsis next week. Because in, in Romans 8, the first four verses, first verse 11, four to 11 verses, gives us a synopsis of what I'm saying right now. But I don't want, I mean, I, I, we need to get into and actually see what it's saying so you can start seeing the contrast. I'm sort of setting up a little straw right now, straw man saying, guess what? You guys just ripped that all up. And you did because you don't live under that anymore. That is not the description of the Christian life. And if you think it is, you're still living under the law. You're still relating to God under the law. We're going to see there is a new way of relating with Christ. By the Spirit is what Romans 8 is going to... Why I love how Steve opened up. The passion you opened up in reading chapter 8 is like this. This is who we are in Christ. This is how we are now to live. It's it's different. Very different. So, may anyway. I, may I read a yes. passage? Yes, that, you may. That would be
2: great. Yes. Um, I was looking in the concordance for power of, power of us mm-hmm. and power, and this doesn't relate, I mean, doesn't name that, but it's power of darkness it uses, mm-hmm. and I think the power of sin that we were talking about earlier power. is darkness. Isn't sure, it? absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So with that in mind, that's verse thirteen. So I'm gonna start at verse ten. This is from first Colossians chapter one. This is Colossians? First no. Colossians chapter one, verse ten. Uh, that it's kind of a blessing, it's nice. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. "...strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light," and here's verse 13, "...who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son." Mm-hmm. in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Do you
3: That applies, I think. Uh, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. just apply, it totally applies, because
0: mm-hmm. that darkness is what wrote chapter 7 is all about. If you live in chapter 7, you're in that darkness. But if you live in chapter 8, <laughs> we live with that promise of light, lightness of grace. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank, you. All right. Thank you guys, I know this is a little heavy in of, you know, we're, in, we're in Romans, That's great. We you don't feel like we're in Romans, we're in Romans, <laughs> Romans So I thought we'd just start right in the very middle mm. um, So anyway, again uh, yeah. And one of the things too, I know several of you have told me about how you're reading through um, Romans from front to back and some of you have done that multiple times Keep doing that as much as you can if you ever think, especially if you are tempted, if you are feeling like, I want to live out of the law, um, and the power of sin in your life, you feel that, just start picking up Romans and just start reading. Because the more you soak yourself in 1 through um, 16, the more you're going to see as we start going into 8, how 8 is really the answer to all the things that are going on with their Romans and how we live. So um, keep that up. All right. All right, Father, I just thank you for just this group of guys. We've gone together tonight, and this is tough stuff, um, and we don't fully understand this because, Lord, you're, a lot of this is beyond our understanding, but we also take in faith, Lord, and just listening to the apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, Lord, that we are therefore no longer, now we are no longer under condemnation, When we are in Christ Jesus. And all of God's people and men in this room said, Amen. Amen. Amen.